1: welcome to another episode of stay in your lane the podcast my name's Omida okay i'm elizabeth vivabrenay so elizabeth how has your week been so far
2: um just yeah really busy um i think yeah i think from feeling like a sim which i think a lot of people found hilarious um thanks guys um last week or, or the last time we spoke properly guys um to just feeling like Honestly, just yeah, total burnout. Um so yeah, it just feels as if like the world has opened up, but um all the work that was meant to get done in the four months we went um that obviously COVID was we were on lockdown, has to get done in like a week, which is always not useful. Um, how about you?
1: Yeah, man, I'm not gonna lie, it's not been the easiest of weeks. It's just been a bit crazy. There's been a lot, a lot to do and literally no time to do it. Um but you know we move we move so we're gonna go straight into our first topic which is basically based on an article that i think was from the atlantic um called why success won't make you happy and it's about um success addicts um obviously people can be addicted to anything and it was talking about the idea that um people basically probably more as well in the social media climate that we blame for everything but that's because it's true um people feeling more and more pressure to be successful and um this article is essentially outlining why um continued wins and successes still won't necessarily make you happy in the long term it's a very short term um rush of serotonin and dopamine um and i found that really interesting So i think i know quite a few success addicts where would you say you fall on the spectrum elizabeth in terms of like are you somebody that feels that you can get happiness from success or you are someone that's like, nah, there's there's bigger fish to fry and bigger meaning to life?
2: Mm. Um I think that it's that thing of like you always find with um in like capitalist societies or very kind of, you know, uh um yeah productivity driven societies you can see the difference between you know like the west and the west's approach to happiness to you know other places and i think there was you know when it's like this place is voted the most you know happiest place to live and people are generally happier yet poverty is xyz and and there's always that those types of articles and research that's done um that comes over the years and i think that's definitely how I feel about like happiness and success and all of that sort of stuff around being happy. Um, because I feel like if you're not happy with, you know, you know, one thing, you're probably never going to be a happy person or, or, or see or see success or achievement as, um, as something that you have to keep. Like it's definitely addictive. Um, but I think that if, if you're, you know, if it's like a, a never ending pursuit of, You know x goal you're never going to be satisfied it's like an itch you can't like scratch and you can't essentially um be 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 fulfilled um by um so yeah i think that's just my kind of like view on these things i feel like if if you're never going to be happy you know with just your lot now once you get you know times 10 of your lot um you're probably not going to be happy um that yeah so that's definitely how i view these types of like uh those types of feelings how about you
1: I was going to ask before we even get to me, like, what, what how would you say you f- it fits into your personal life? Like, do you feel like you're somebody that chases the high of success or do you feel like you're just kind of like whatever? Or do you feel like there's a pressure to? Um, I think for me, it's just not success for success sake. Um, so
2: it's like, because I don't know, I feel like everyone's got their own or everyone should have their own kind of like version of what success looks like for them. Um, so I think for me, I don't, I think when, when I was younger, I think if my younger, if so let's say I'm 28 now. When I was 18 and I was thinking about, you know, well, I was going to university, and I thought about my life now. Like 18-year-old me would be like, oh my God, you're so successful. Like, super, like this is exactly what you wanted. But I think it wasn't my success at that age was based on independence, financial independence, um, life it was life independence. And I think that was Way that was what my success metric was kind of like. Um, or not my yeah, that was what it was measured by. Um, it wasn't about it, I didn't think about work life balance and anything like that. I think for me, the pressure came down to financial security and financial independence. Um, so not you know, and I think that freedom that it's given me now and the option to not do things or do things, I think that's definitely, uh, for me, what if I was looking at success back then, that's exactly what, su- no, I was looking back, I was looking at success back then, and that's exactly what I wanted, so I have that now, so in all, all sense of purposes, I am, you know, successful in that respect, so for me, it's never success to boast about it, or success to, it's that security, because I'm a Taurus, and I believe, like, that's something that I crave a lot, um, so I guess, I guess now, I don't know, I, I wouldn't, I don't know, I think it's more impact, as opposed to, independent financial independence i think that's financial dependence will always be something that runs through my whole life because it's that whole immigrant mentality oh my god you've got to keep going but i it's not but then i would definitely say now it's probably more around less less so around that even though that's still the thread but more so around impact so um so yeah i don't know if that makes sense
1: but it does yeah no i don't know i find the article interesting because i feel like i see a lot of people i know in it in terms of like um once they achieve something like being like okay what's the next thing kind of thing and not necessarily um like giving themselves credit in the moment like I was talking about this to Pam as always like a couple of days ago actually just in terms of I sent I sent the article to my sister I sent the article to Pam I sent it to people that I felt like oh like I see you you in this where you've actually achieved a great deal but don't necessarily in the moment allow yourself to sit in that moment and be like wow like it's taken me like it, I don't know it could be like it's taken me four years to get to this point of this one particular milestone and you within four minutes the feeling of like self-congratulation is like gone um and it was interesting because everyone's kind of like yeah like I actually am like that but I guess everyone has their reasons like for you it's like you, you're you talking about success being a priority prioritized because of like a need of like stability and stuff and um i was talking to my sister Brian and she was saying that you know she's just very like she's just a very self-critical person and like it doesn't necessarily like um give herself like enough credit and um Pam was saying that like you know hello again Pam she was saying that like you know when it comes to her career it's like um or just her general self it's very much about like what's what's the next thing because she's thinks about time a lot and and feeling short of time and I think that's like a general theme for a lot of people um now because it feels like you know I don't know 30 when you're approaching 30 anyway it's like this weird visible milestone that like we all have to like kind of spontaneously achieve everything we've ever wanted to achieve because of things like 30 a 30 lists and like um youth like um those kind of portfolios of like the here are the ones to watch the idea of like rising stars and stuff only being up to like a particular um a particular point um so yeah I guess like I was saying this recently on another podcast that like I think um I'm actually quite um self self-congratulatory to be honest like I feel like being successful in my career is not what I define as success overall i feel like being successful in my career is something that i find necessary because of um financial independence like it's interesting we're going to be talking about the bank of mom and dad like in a few uh, minutes because like it's not something that i've ever really <laughs> i've ever had access to so i've always had been very financially independent but i don't see that as successful per se but like if i hit a milestone that i want to hit I will bask in that for, like, weeks, months, years. Like, in my brain, I'm only 28, and I'm like, oh, I'm doing stuff that I hoped I'd be doing by the time I was, like, mid-30s. So I'm always saying that if I took a year out and, like, just fell off for a couple of years, I'd probably feel okay because I feel like I'm ahead of where I wanted to be anyway. Um, but I think, I think it's very easy that even if you do feel ahead of where you wanted to be, to kind of still feel like it's not enough. But I think, I don't know, I've always been somebody that's kind of like... Um, um like i don't know when people talk about treating yourself as you would your like little self like treating yourself like you would as your your inner child or whatever and i feel like i do that all the time like i'm very like um what's the word maybe sometimes too easy on myself that i'm like oh you don't have to particularly be productive we're in the middle of a pandemic which is true but yeah i try to treat myself with the kindness that i treat others in terms of like um you know being like it's not it's not every day that you must come and die um so yeah Mm. i i didn't necessarily and i think as well for for me success encompasses things like healthy relationships and general happiness so i feel like um if in all honesty like not trying to sound like a hippie like being zen and feeling like good about myself and feeling good about like my loved ones and stuff is a form of success that often um is sidelined when we're focusing on career success Mm. so um yeah, I feel like maybe that's why I don't define it as much as like, my. Like, I've always said if I tapped out and got pregnant and got married tomorrow and had no career, I, it's not the thing to be saying. But like, pff, I honestly say, like, if that was the case, I wouldn't feel like, oh, no, who am I? I've fallen off. I'd be like, oh, well, this is another version of success because I want a family. So, yeah, mm. like, that's kind of how I see it.
2: Yeah, I think people need to see it as more of a kind of like holistic thing as opposed to just like um, productivity and being and career focused for sure and like relationships and people have to see it as like 360 but I don't think we see it as enough in that um and I think you can I think that's the thing I've always said if I got everything I wanted tomorrow if I if, I, if I'm if i not happy with what I have now it's impossible to be happy with, with you know if you write five things you you know you've always wanted and so I think that you're either going to be happy with your lot now or you're just never going to be happy and I, I think that's even if it's like relationships if it's whatever like you have to find happiness in yourself and you can't do that with any of like anything else I don't know how you feel about that you will be but I think there's definitely um a sense of like these things just distract us I think success all these milestones all this like marriage I think all they just distract us from really tuning in and going like like what makes like what makes me happy like am i happy if you took everything away from you and dumped you in the middle of like you dumped yourself in the middle of like the desert like what is left like if you're not happy then you're never going to be happy and that's quite depressing but i think that's a reality like i think a lot of people kind of yeah myself included which is something like i think it was a realization i probably had a few years ago when i was achieving very visible forms of like success it doesn't it doesn't take away real um you know, real inherent challenges in your life that if you don't kind of, like, confront, um, you know, you can you can be the most successful visibly or have, you know, a great family and all of these things. But ultimately, like, you know, there's a reason why people who have very little end up being, you know, one quite, you know, one of the most happiest types of people.
1: In that article, they spoke about, like, uh, maybe I, I was going to say, like, I think maybe part of the reason, again, like, I'm not massively, like... I, uh, people don't believe me when I say I'm, like, I'm not really particularly a hugely ambitious person. Like I am ambitious, but it's not I've never I don't think anyone at school or even uni or even college would have been like, oh you're so ambitious because I just I'm just not. <laughs> but like um I just think I found what worked for me and very much lent into it. But I think like um another reason I'm probably not like that is because like I I really, really thrive in terms of, or or try to thrive and really prioritise human relationships. I'm, like, Mm. big on, like, friends and family. But I was, like, in this piece, what really struck me was, like, how much people, like, will, like, sacrifice, um, like, links with their family their friends their loved ones um in the pursuit of success so like it was talking about the idea of being like married to their work and stuff like that and being like oh like and that and it's not just romantic like you know being like oh a good relationship um whether that be friends or family or whatever like they'll they'd be like oh it's bet, like it's almost more satisfying to have like a good job than good relationship and this (laughs) piece was kind of arguing for like the opposite have do you feel like there have been times where you've sacrificed like relationships in pursuit of work and like Mm. i guess the and the i guess the opposite side of that is like at the same time we're taught to really put like especially romantic relationships we're really taught to kind of like prioritize them so how do we like work out the point of like when it's okay to be focused on your work at expense of like i don't know finding like a partner or having kids or um you know meeting your friends for dinner Mm.
2: I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that. Cause I, oh, I'm not a good, per- I, I'm not a good person to ask as you probably know me, because mm. I can't say that I'm somebody who, I think I'm weirdly like a loner at heart, mm. but a sociable person as well. I'm a bit of a con- contradiction. So I feel like I can, I have periods where I can go very into myself. But, and I think that it then, I don't know, but so I, I can't say I'm someone who's gone through life, like prioritizing friends. I, I I'm mm. probably the opposite, but not bec- like, sometimes I remember when I was younger and, or like in secondary school and I wanted to kind of like, you know, not do work, well, like I was very much like, I thought my, I went to my thought my friends, I got a bit like ambitious. So I was just like, yeah, you guys don't get me. Like I was just that annoying, like, like 16 year old or 15 year old. So I was very like counter my friends and I was just like, yeah. And I just kind of went off and did my own thing and I kind of mm. reveled in that. But I wouldn't so I wouldn't say. But then when I went to uni, I became way more social um, and like not because I was it was out of my character, but it was just natural. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't mm. say I've, I go through life being like I'm type of. I don't know. I think it's also how you're brought up. I think a lot of it is that it stems from that. So f- for me, I didn't necessarily have a lot of like like strong. I had like strong like family members and things like that but I'm the only one of my mum and my dad so I have an only child mentality and I have a like you know like and that can kind of come out in a way that you know like you can just you don't need anybody else but yourself like and not in a bad not I won't say that comes out now but I think it's very much I don't know what I'm saying but I think that I can't say that you know from like I had like really strong relationships with loads of people like I know you, obviously. Um, you have your like your sisters and you you guys always been close and you've had that mm. throughout your life and stuff. I I won't I can't say I have that so I don't think my natural de- disposition disposition mm. is therefore re- um, investing relationships not because I yeah, don't so you're not sacrificing. I don't them. have it. I yeah, don't think so I've you're not sacrificing. It's just I've... how you are. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how if that makes sense. I don't think I have. No, it I'm does, it does sense, make sense. But how do I know How about you? Because I feel like growing up growing up with like sisters who you're very close to you probably feel, feel the loss more um, yeah definitely if you, if you didn't if you know you because obviously when you know things are very busy and stuff I remember you'd be like oh I'm not spending as much time with my sister duh, 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 duh. and so yeah I think it's definitely. yeah
1: and yeah yeah absolutely like I I really hate that like I'm very flaky as a person like um generally as I was saying before like I'm not I'm not amazing at like keeping in touch or like being consistent but it's something that genuinely bothers me because like before like i would see like my sisters my like closest friends and stuff all the time and like i still speak to everyone all the time but it's just like i was just a lot more cross it but it's really hard and it's something i'm trying i really do try to prioritize because it's like um Mm. i genuinely find more joy in it than like work like i'm I, i love what i do and i'm and i genuinely feel very very lucky to be able to do like something i like as a career and stuff but like i definitely like I yeah I would say as I've made more sim talk but yeah definitely I'm like a relationship based sim like I love my friends I love my family so I'm like um it does it does start to feel like a sacrifice when I've like got to do work and it's like I can't spend as much time with people I care about but I really Mm -hmm. do try to like block out time like um and be like okay you know um how do I like multitask like how do I kind of like it sounds it sounds whatever but like trying to like kill two birds with one stone and be like okay i'm going to this you know after work event that's just gonna be like with free like booze and like um hors d'oeuvres. do you want to come with me and we'll we'll kind of like you know i'll turn like work events into like dates and be like okay sis we're gonna like go and like Eat loads of free food and drink loads of drinks, and I might have to like do a bit of networking and stuff. But like, it's still gonna be like, uh, this is how I'm, this is how I'm trying to like make it. So that I'm still doing stuff I have to do for my work, but then also being able to see people I care about. Um, I That's do that a, a lot. Approach. Like, yeah, I, I I think so. It's I think it feels it makes me feel like less <laughs> like a flop because I'm like okay, I can still attend what I need to attend. But I'm yeah, I really do feel like like. like like, what you're saying about if you're dropped in the desert, like, who are you kind of thing? Like, I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much everybody that I care about. Like, those are, those are really my most important things. And as much as I like stuff and, like, I like, like, you know, yeah, going up a career ladder, I do think that just because of how, like, I guess my Instagram looks, like, I feel like if, honestly, I was asked, like, would you prefer to, like, undo all your career achievements of the past few years or basically, like, lose, like, your entire inner circle of friends. Like, I can honestly say without hesitation, I'd be like, oh, let's just undo the work because, like... Do you
2: think people would choose the opposite?
1: <laughs> I think some people, yeah, to for this sure. um, article. Yeah, I, 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 that's why the article was so interesting. Like, funny enough, the people I sent it to definitely really prioritise relationships as well. I think with them, it's just more of a case of, like, they're hard on themselves... I feel like they don't get to revel in it and really celebrate what it is they're doing because it's still, there's more to like achieve rather than it being like, okay, like I've actually done this thing. Let me give myself like a break for a minute. But I feel like a lot of people definitely, like I've watched people definitely like sideline like um, friendships and romantic relationships because of work and be like, I've watched relationships definitely break down because of like work. So I feel like um, Mm -hmm. I do think some people would be like, i can not even necessarily i can make new friends but like, mm, yeah, I, think, like I think you know people yeah. definitely
2: think i can make new friends yeah especially in the industry we're in
1: absolutely for sure i feel like yeah exactly i think that's the thing you see it where it's like the industry we're in like um i find always find it so interesting how like so many people the majority of their friends are i mean there's absolutely nothing wrong with it but like so many journalists i know are friends of other journalists so many writers i know are friends of other writers and it's like i'm not against that at all because like it's great to have people that are in the same profession so you can all bitch about the same things but like i mean you know like most of my friends are just like my friends from like my childhood and like my you know if not secondary school then college which is generally like you know from my actual life because mm. the fact that i even call in my actual life, it's because I genuinely don't see, like, journalism and writing and the industry as the be-all and end-all. Mm. Um, if, if you were faced with that choice, and it was like, and I guess, again, because you're quite, like, as you said, to yourself anyway as a person, it's not even just, okay, we're going to take away all your success from, like, the past few years versus taking away, like, your closer friends. I guess, like, if it was something like, okay, we're going to take away all that success, but we're also going to make sure that, like, um, I don't know... You, not only do we take away your your um, closest friends, but we make it so that you have to be like completely up, like almost isolated by yourself, and just have all the jewels. I'm sure there's like a Bible parable about this or something, but like all the all the jewels in the world, all the money in the world, but you have to basically enjoy it alone. What what would your kind of um you know take on that be?
2: Mm. What do you think my take on would be? Because I think I don't think I I'm attached to stuff because yeah this you. Is yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm attached to stuff. I'm a Taurus. But I don't care about a lot. Like, I, I, think, I was going to say,
1: that's the thing. It's the, really sorry, don't. you say what you got to say and then I'll tell you what I think.
2: Yeah, I don't care about a lot. I just, I think because... Um, I'm so aware of like mortality and I don't mean that in some morbid way but I think I'm just like life is life and we just go through it and you you make everything that we do in between now and when God wants us is essentially like memories like I'm so happy we don't I know it sounds so morbid to say but I'm like I feel like I think so for me I'm attached to staff and if someone was like oh take it take it all away I'll just want to just get by I think ultimately I want to make sure that I'm okay to like financially. But apart from that, I don't feel like I'm, I'm one of those types of people. And I think with the article, I probably couldn't be able to relate. This. I'll probably get a rush to achieve a said goal. Absolutely. I like achieving shared goals. That's why working, working, myself to do stuff i like working as a team or like one other person i, I love that rush so I, I find it hard to get excited of individual achievements as much as i do mm. get excited of collective achievement i feel like that for me I, I love the rush but so once i achieve that it's kind of like okay what's next what's next it's not,
1: yeah
2: it's not what's next in terms of like i have to then be successful or whatever because it's very much like i think i don't know i think you probably get to a point in life where you're just like it is what it is but mm. i think it's more so like that rush is what I crave. So I, I crave the rush less so the success that comes... That the, Like, I love... Like, I feel like that's probably what I'm, I loved the most about Sling Lane in the early days. It was that mm-hmm. rush. But, yeah, to answer your question, I think, yeah, I think I think uh, I would be like, OK, whatever. But it's not because I, I'd be like, oh, my God, relationships. I don't know. I don't yeah, know, that's I, what I was going like to say. I, like I either yeah.
1: way, you're just like, you know, you're not... I was going to say, like, it feels like either way, like, you're not massively attached to many people, but as much as you're like materialistic i i do also know that i've watched you throw like actual clothes in the bin before so at the same time i'm like i don't think you're the most like you'd be like oh i'm gonna love like you know that whole oh it's better to cry in a lamborghini alone i know i know that's not the quote but there's that quote or something like that it's like i don't think you're really that kind of person either i think so it's, it's a it's a difficult one like um with you to be honest because yeah like i can i don't know i could imagine you it, it would depend on your mood that day to be honest
2: i'm so incredibly mood driven it's too much it's um it's just yeah so i think it 100 would be um but i don't know i feel like i feel like with what you're saying around um relationships i feel like pe- yeah i feel like what's funny i feel like people would sacrifice their friendship relationships for romantic relationships because that seems the bigger yeah. goal because i think people see other oh, people I hate that disposable. you know how much i
1: hate that yeah yeah i think women are definitely like taught to do that and mm. taught to put friendships on a lower um what's the word Pec- like like lower in the pecking order than friendships which i've, I've never understood because i'm like the reality is most just statistically most relationships don't last so Mm -hmm. unless it's your husband which even then like divorce rates quite high I'm always like but the problem is that like when it goes left which it just will because not all the time but nine times out of ten especially when like you're young it's Mm -hmm. like then it's harder to kind of reintegrate and, and harder to kind of like move forward with friendship groups because it's like everybody's kind of moved on in that time and like It's very much a thing where I think women... It's interesting to see how men never are, like, programmed to do that. I think as women, because we're taught to define ourselves so heavily through romantic relationships, it's like, guys, when they're like, oh, shit, like, okay, this went left, it's like... Their boys are in the exact same place, and it's like they—it's—it's like they didn't have to drop anything. But I think with women, yeah. it's a real—I think sometimes even men encourage it sometimes, to be honest. If you're, oh, absolutely. If you've got, do you know what I mean? Because your girls will be like, mm, he's a bit not really sure about him, and then they'll rather than them address themselves and be like, well, maybe she's got a right not to be sure about me. They might—they're they're usually like, oh well, hmm, maybe maybe she should be wary of her, and they start to like, alienate people from their friendship groups, like, um, 100%. which is which is annoying.
2: So our next topic is uh, the bank of mum and dad. so, there's now going to be a tighter limit on how much your family can help you when you're getting a your deposit together. so when you want to buy a house or for a mortgage um the bank of mum and dad is kind of like often seen as like a- uh a way that you know if your parents have assets and things like that they're able to kind of help you the u k second largest lender has tightened its rules because of uncertainty in the economy so now to get a d- a mortgage of a ten percent deposit um a buyer must prove that they are they have saved seventy five percent of that deposit themselves um um, so usually a lot of parents like you know not a lot of parents but if your parents can they would want to help you but because of just the way covid and post pandemic housing situation is going to look like um people like yeah they're tied up the rules um what are your thoughts on that you me and what are your thoughts around the banker mum and dad generally
1: um gosh in terms of the banker mum and dad I'm just like the what like I do not know her at all like I've just never like I've, I've had to I've had I've think yeah since i was 16 like i've had i've had a job like i haven't really like i mean obviously everybody to an extent has some experience with the bank of, of mum and dad but like i can honestly say as soon as i was like legal to work like it was pretty much like that that was shot so i think it's interesting how the conversations kind of panned out because i feel like um you know obviously there's a lot of like upset And of course, I feel like I've got to even be careful with how I word it because I don't want to sound like this resentful person that's kind of like, um, you know, loving the fact that like now um, we must all suffer together. But I do feel like, you know, it's not something that most people had access to anyway. And I feel like um, it will affect a population of people, but I'm not going to lie, it's a population of people that I feel, um, how do I put it? It's quite difficult to... It's quite difficult to to victimize because if your parents have that amount for deposit anyway, you're probably not gonna die of starvation anytime soon. I think that's the way I see it. Without trying to sound too harsh, like I totally understand that it might like be you know um, a bit peak for some people, but at the same time, it's kind of like you know the kind of the kind of like narrative that i mean i'm trying to stay offline anyway (laughs) to avoid conversations like this to be honest um and the politics that comes with it but i feel like um the level of almost like victimization and just like oh my gosh like the outrage i'm like yeah but if you if you even had that as an option mm, you're probably gonna be okay like do you know what i mean like you you can't rely on your parents for a house but you can most certainly rely on them um for pretty much to, to give you money in terms of anything else which is just something that like I just cannot relate to um I don't really know what I think I think I just think if you had the bank of mum and dad well congratulations unfortunately it's kind of, the time has come to an end but you're probably better off still than a very large sector of the um, population how about you what do you think
2: um yeah I think honestly with this whole bank of mum and dad thing it's something that I've not been able to I, I can't relate so I've been mm. in situations where I have like you know gone to I've had colleagues who um have basically been you know their parents have you know helped them buy a house and and things like that and it is I guess that whole resentment thing is just a bit it's hard to kind of not resent the situation I don't hate the player I hate the game and i think yeah. genuinely that's how i feel about like a lot of this stuff because like it is frustrating because even if you earn a good salary muscling up a, you know rustling up a deposit is like the, the biggest challenge and i remember when i first started out um in like when i was a graduate i very much like came to the, it dawned on me like 10 percent um increase in my salary year on year was never going to help me you know you know buy a house um or to save up, save up a large enough deposit working and living in central london so um it is it is like frustrating that i've always felt frustrated by that like that whole bank of mum, bank of mum and dad but i kind of i don't know i've met really cool people and really nice people who you know it's one of those things like it's not not it's not their fault but it's some it's it's just a system so i've Mm -hmm. kind of just been a little bit like you know what it is what it is sort of thing um it's not my it's not my reality um and i think as well i don't know it's just it i think there's also they're saying that you know like it will make an impact on a lot of young people getting their first home um and things like that and i think we do want more people to you know first-time buyers it's like who is you know, when they talk about sure. first-time buying, going higher, like, you know, increases, like who, like who, like which group? Um, because it'll probably be the group that already owns property, which is the parents, like it's, so it just, there is that inequality that that banker mum and dad does have that and that's what, mm. I, that's what I resent more than anything. Um, and I think unless you're super, super savvy and you have multiple jobs and, and things like that and things have gone really your way over the last couple of years, a graduate starting out, it's just the market isn't fair. So I, yeah, so I think it's, I think as well with this whole changing of, um, you know, the way COVID has kind of like impact the way we, the way we kind of like see where we can work. I think, I don't know. I think maybe people are like rethinking things as well. So I think the bubble of London, Needs to be kind of like less, so the pressure to live and work in London is something a lot of young people do feel. So I think, so I hope, hopefully, it just broadens our horizons a lot. Um, because what you have, what you find is people who aren't from a particular area, obviously, gentrification, you know, to gentr- gentrification. People who aren't from a particular area. They get to kind of buy the houses. So look at Brixton. Like that's I know I know someone who doesn't who's who grew up in like Hertfordshire and for some reason they now live in Brixton. And it's kind of like you like you don't know. It's just it's just because you can. And it's it's what it does to people who actually are from those areas. It pushes them out. So mm. I don't know. It, it, and I know a lot of those people aren't. They're not buying. So I think it's a good thing what's happening to an extent because I feel like what's happening is those people who aren't able to. Um, proved so we are we're on the same salary but because you have your mom and dad that can you know give you a cheeky 50k like mm. if, if you're gonna have to prove that you can save that much and you that's come from you that's only a good thing for me like i may not have the money to save now but it just means that you're not buying up the house before i can even get my cheeky 25k yeah. down sort of thing that's
1: the thing i agree with that because i think people are acting like um as posh people always do like oh you know this is they're kind of being like i mean as you said in terms of like the youth and in terms of like younger people being able to sort of like get onto the poverty ladder like yeah it it can create like a sort of disparity in terms of that so they're really kind of like trying to drive in on that and be like oh you know this is really um entrenching inequality but it's like "Mm, it was unequal anyway like it already Mm. the the bank of mom and dad entrenched inequality anyway because it, it gave certain people an immediate head start and yeah, like, whilst I under I understand the frustration, I do think that um, it's just funny how people will um, be quite okay with the fact or, like, you know, complicit with the fact that, like, pretty much the expectation is that you can grow up in a particular area and never be expected to own property in that area. And then when it's suddenly that they're, you know... Oh, actually, you also might not be able to own property in this area because your parents aren't going to be able to lend you money suddenly that's when they're engaging with these conversations about how unfair and unequal (laughs) um you know the housing um climate is in the uk and especially in london because usually when we're all like you know bemoaning the 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 renting situation and you know like the gentrification and all these different things they're perfectly quiet or just oh well you know like like you know they're, they're more than happy to to kind of explain to everybody else why it's not that bad but now I feel like well everybody's in the same toilet now so you know like literally better buckle up like and get on with it like everyone else has had to so yeah like definitely understand the frustration but again it was it was a pre-existing unfair system that it's interesting to see how vocal people are becoming about um the unfairness now it's finally affecting them
2: I couldn't agree more
1: so some people have been like, oh, because of London, everyone's being priced out, you know, it's serious when even, like, people, like, whose parents can afford to give them 50K deposits are being priced out. Like, they're saying that they think, you know, post-pandemic might be a little bit, like, less London-centric. Like, I think that's a conversation that's been happening over the past few years where you see, like, big companies moving to, like, Manchester and Birmingham and, like, building their, like, um, flagship spaces there um, in a bid to make, you know, England... Um, basically bigger than London. Um, as someone who's like you lived in Birmingham, like do you think mm. we can see past the like um, the present situation where it's almost perceived as if you don't see it if you don't live in London you don't exist and all the opportunities are centralised in that one city.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think it's I think that's a sad reality of sometimes just like you being you being being from London you do get attached to it. Um, but I've never been one of the, I've never been that type of person at all. Um, and I do hope there's a you know I think that brexit would have had obviously covid is on the top of the agenda but the because of brexit um i know like my one of my friends who her and her partner had basically left because his job has been migrated to paris so they have Mm -hmm. a house in london um and they've basically had to kind of like put that up for rent um and then you know obviously they're in a privileged situation that you know they can afford to do that um but and have a nice life in Paris, but still that's like a migration of a job. And I know someone else who, who's work and this is a banking jobs, by the way. So mm-hmm. I know someone else whose company has been like, you can stay in a company, but your job is moved to, to Switzerland or, s- or something like that, or we'll give you six months salary um, and you, we'll make you redundant. So he's chosen to be, you know, to get six months salary and be made redundant. So you can find another job in London. So I think these are the decisions that I think Brexit we like we were heading towards this already where london wasn't as like favored and i think because of covid it's only going to kind of like exacerbate those types of tr- those trends that we saw anyway going into like the last couple of months or going into the year sorry so um i definitely think that there's life to be lived outside london like it, yeah. it's i think there is such a and it's always perpetrated by the people who aren't from london if i'm honest it's always this whole like i have to be here like oh my god like I, I'm, I'm I'm moving to Hackney and I'm moving to Brixton and this is now like, they wear it on their head. Like for me, I'm from Peckham. I grew up there. I don't wear Peckham on my head in a way that means that it's the being and end all of my existence. I feel like sometimes with people who aren't from London and this is not me coming for anyone, but there is that, I think mean, London growing up, it was never that. I never felt that. It was only when I entered the professional world that people talked about London as being like some sort of Mecca and they couldn't leave um so that's my kind of view on, on things I, I feel like I have no kind of I can imagine myself not living in London mm, like you said that really, yeah but yeah, <clears throat> yeah I don't know about you
1: oh I, I mean I I I guess I'm weird because obviously I've lived in court my entire life which um most people um will dispute whether it's in London anyway but in my brain like I've never given a shit about central London I think you know that like Mm. to me the world begins and ends with Coydon like and I know that that sounds weird because obviously most people from Coydon are trying to get the hell out but I think Coydon just in terms of like I've said this for years like um, in terms of transport links in terms of just like I love the fact that it's not central I love it I know people roast us for it even though it's what 11 minutes you know we get defensive like oh my God, it's only 11 minutes to um, Victoria on the Overground anyway. But, like, it, that's real. It's It really is close, but also simultaneously, like, it is literally its own country. Like, you know, I've been screaming, CREXIT, get us out of, like, get us out of this country and create CREXIT on its own, like, kind of independent thing, because I truly feel like it's, um, it's, it's basically its own place, and, like, I've never, I think because everything pretty much is here already, <laughs> from, I sound like a, um, what's the word, like, t- ambassador or some like tourism person but like obviously there's like the shopping centers and like just things to do around here so when i was growing up i never used to go to central london anyway and Mm. it it was truly treated as if it was like um like a holiday like oh wow i'm really going i'm really going on an outing because we're going to central um but i mean the fact i call it central like i i don't i'm always talking about london in terms of like you know it's a real commute for me um um but yeah, so I think for me, I've never really been like, oh my gosh, I have to be like, I've had no desire to ever live centrally. But I think I have quite a different experience because I say that as someone who genuinely does live, like, um, uh, you know, it takes me, as we love to remind everybody, just a couple of minutes on the, the overground to get to um Victoria anyway. But I would never be like, I want to live like centrally or anything like that. But I just think in terms of like, yeah, where I live specifically is very, it's like, um Croydon's obviously like a very big borough and it has like quite a lot of different types of places in it. So you've got like where, where I live in like West Croydon versus like Purley. And I've always said that like I'd love to live in somewhere like Purley, which is still technically Croydon or the part of the borough. But it's like really leafy and really kind of like um I used to see cows and stuff on my way to school when I was going through there. So yeah i feel like i've never really got the central london hype anyway because my my hype is um solely preserved for like my area (laughs) and and that's Mm -hmm. it really but um yeah in terms of other parts of the country like manchester birmingham wherever like i guess yeah i just i I just always see myself staying where i grew up so like um I'm, i'm probably like not the i'm probably like the worst person to have this conversation with because like i'm so what's the word tunnel vision in terms of like if i don't live I've always planned to like buy in my, um, basically up my road. So yeah.
2: So um, our sleigh or nay this week is a sleigh. Um, I think last week we had, a, or last time we had a nay. Um, so yeah, good to kind of get back on the positivity um, run. That is a sleigh. So our sleigh for this week is Jenna Kuru. Um, and she's our sleigh because she is, um, an amazing, super talented, um, director and creative and she, um, directed, um, her amongst other couple of directors as well, directed Black is King, the new Beyonce, um, production. And um, so yeah, she's from Peckham, so it's, you know, always happy to, always happy to see, um, someone from south doing really well on the world stage
1: so shout out to jen Nukuru, man well done so that pretty much brings us to the end of this episode so until then take care and see you next week bye